Welcome to episode 52 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izzigari. And today we will be talking about the African Queen from 1951. It received four nominations at the 24th Academy Awards and Humphrey Bogart took home the win. His only win. Uh, we, we, like, we like doing that here. We like highlighting um, movies that have a few nominations and I'm excited to talk about this movie today along with some other 20, 24th Academy Awards stuff. But uh, th- this was my second time with the film and with the intentions of giving it awards first time. <laughs> so uh, I- I'll say for me to open up my experience this time was uh, not nearly as enjoyable as the first time around. Really? Why is that? I think, I think sometimes with this show, uh, which has been a gift and a curse when I'm watching movies, trying to pick out, you know, a Deacons, uh, find a PSH, Enyo, Tarantino. I'm, I'm really searching. And, you know, a movie like last week we did, Anatomy of a Murder. It, it handed me tons of stuff. Yeah. And this movie, I had a really hard time picking a, Deacon, a Deacons award. You know, I don't really know what my favorite scene from this movie is. It's not that memorable of a story for me. It's really hinging upon the some some really good direction from Houston, but mostly Bogey and Catherine Hepburn just kind of caring. I think some of the screenplay is really forced and that's, you know, got a lot to do with, I think uh, it's adapted from a novel uh, also titled the African queen by CS Forster. Maybe, maybe it just skips some stuff from the story. That's, you know, important that happens a lot I, I just felt like this time around i was not impressed with how it was uh all put together well i did read that the novel does elaborate more on their love story um the movie had to bend to the will of the goddamn Hayes code so yeah it, it wasn't allowed to show them like doing anything outside of marriage so they had to kind of skirt around that. That's, I think that's a big part of why the love story particularly seems very forced in this film. Uh, it just like out of nowhere, they're like, they kiss and now all of a sudden, like all the animosity is gone and now they're in love. It is, it's a weird yeah. kind of thing. Uh, I agree that Bogey and Hepburn really do carry this thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. After seeing what Houston's capable of with the treasure of the Sierra Madre, this seems a, like a little bit of, you know, a little bit weaker, weaker sauce here. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think Houston has like a lot better work out there, uh, but, which is crazy, right? Because, you know, a movie like this would be some people's best, best stuff. And I, yeah, when, when your expectations are high. And again, I've, I've seen this a few years back and I, I enjoyed it. And there, I, there are moments that I really enjoy. It, Bogey is putting on a clinic at times. And that, that alone is, is worth watching this movie. But, but you know, there's, there's no room for me to be kind of like light with it, right? When we're doing this, this stuff and we're giving awards out, 
I like to praise movies like Anatomy of a Murder that blow me away on a second watch. And I like to, you know, kind of pick nits with movies that don't. Because uh, that's, that's kind of the point of doing this. And so I, I also want to talk about the individuals that are at play here. Um, we'll, we'll go down the line of the, the four categories that uh, the African Queen is in is best actor, best actor, screenplay, and director. So we'll talk about those in a little bit. But before we do that, I, I do want to talk about these people and just kind of shout out some of their other stuff. And I think we should start with, with John Houston. What do you think? Right on. Let's do it. I mean, this is a guy that's come up before in the show. What episode did we do Hamlet? Uh, I, I can't put numbers to movies. That was the amount of work we do on all these shows. It's like somewhere in the teens, I think. <laughs> 16, 17, somewhere there. It was, uh, you know, we, were, we had just started doing awards, right? For, yeah. for, for the movies. And you and I were like, fuck all the other movies from 1948 in the best picture category are really good. And Hamlet is not. <laughs> yep. And, and, and my favorite one is treasure of the Sierra Madre. Uh, instantly one of my favorite, you know, forties movies and John Houston, of course, Walter Houston, Humphrey Bogart, this, that movie just kicks ass totally. And uh, you bought me a copy. Now I have it on my shelf. So it's, it's just kind of something that if it gets brought up, I'm going <laughs> to kind of rave about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fucking classic. It's one of the best adventure films of all time. It's the movie that inspired Indiana Jones. I mean, we, you know, eventually it is going to get its own episode on this show. Uh, and I can't wait for that. But John Houston yeah. has been making, you know, he made quality work for four decades, 40s to the 80s. This guy was just, you know, churning him out. He started a, like, well, I, he didn't start. His father, Walter, started a dynasty in Hollywood. Walter yeah. Houston, John Houston, Angelica Houston, Jack Houston. Like, it just did not stop. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's still going, like you said. Yeah, with Jack still kind of carrying the name right now. And Angelica's kind of been under the radar for the past, you know, 30 years. And she's so good. She's so damn good. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I love bringing up that family, man. And his Oscar resume, John Houston, is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And... <laughs> There's another individual that also has a very crazy resume, but I, I want to start with kind of the guy at the helm, the guy in the director's chair, John Houston. Uh, bear with us here. He was nominated for screenplay, uh, Dr. Ehrlich's Magic Bullet, 1940. Uh, he's nominated for screenplay uh, for Maltese Falcon and Sergeant York, both 1941. Jesus, Jesus Christ, both, Christ. Inc both incredible movies. Let's stop for a second. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. I mean... Ah, which one do you like better of those two? Well, I, I don't know why. I always forget that he was the guy behind the Maltese Falcon. I always forget it was him. Masterpiece. Yeah. Goddamn. Total masterpiece. <laughs> I can't wait to do that one. Sergeant York, of course, uh, I watched recently for, again, like you said, these episodes run together with, uh, you know, it's, it's got Gary Cooper. So that must have been uh, High Noon. High noon. That was not, yeah, that wasn't too long ago. Yeah. Oh man. 1952 classic. Yeah. I mean, and then I did Sergeant York that week just kind of for some background work and yeah. Yeah. Amazing movies. And when you find out that John Houston's here for it all <laughs> <laughs> crazy, uh, Charles Sierra Madre, he wins best screenplay and best director rightly. So yeah. now there's going to be, it's going to get brought up again because there's, there's some, some qualms we have with uh, the Academy Awards and Charles the Sierra Madre. So we'll, that'll, that'll come back up. 
Uh, he's nominated for screenplay and director Asphalt Jungle, 1950. Just keeps on going. He's nominated for best director, best screenplay, African Queen. That's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, nominated for best director and best picture because he's a producer on Moulin Rouge, 1952. Nominated for best screenplay, Heaven Knows, Mr. Allison, 1957. Nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role for The Cardinal, 1963. What the fuck? <laughs> the, guy, the guy's literally everywhere. Uh, he's nominated for Screenplay, again, for The Man Who Would Be King, 1975. And then, finally, he's nominated for Best Director, Pritzi's Honor, Angelica. Uh, that's 1985. So, very cool. I mean, this is a long 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 resume that spans over decades you know over, over 40 years and i love a lot of this work you know it's there's stuff outside uh, in the houston family but this stuff that's in here in the resume that we get to talk about today is really good <laughs> and I, I love that they got it right with him it's crazy and that's not even touching you know a lot of his acting like you know noah cross in chinatown just this despicable <laughs> bad guy He's like Clint Eastwood before, you know, he's, he's like a pre-Clint Eastwood, the same kind of acting, directing, mix match that he would do. He's just a treasure. Like he's one of the cornerstones of, of American cinema to me, John Houston. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I, I love the dude. I want to see everything he's ever done. He's that kind of a, a creator. Yeah. And again, again one of the weakest things i've seen is the african queen out of his stuff and that's saying a lot because it's a pretty good movie that's saying a lot <laughs> yeah. have to have to bring him up first uh he's he's uh you know one of the coolest american directors uh, you know i i have to bring up one movie that i i think i wish was like kind of here that's one of my like personal favorites from the 70s is uh is wise blood 1979 that movie is absolutely bonkers and his name is is maybe you know something about this because i don't because his name is slightly changed for that movie for the credit he spells john differently i don't know if you've noticed that before yeah right here in the trivia the reason why john houston's name is incorrectly spelled in the credits is because the producers hired a little girl to write the titles the producers decided to leave it the way it was because the story was very strange anyway there's also a shot of a headstone in a cemetery that has the word angel misspelled as angle. So a little girl just wasn't trying that hard. And the producers were like, fuck it, let's leave it. Yeah. I, awesome. That's fantastic. That movie kicks ass. And 1979 is one of my favorite years. And it's like, Wise Blood speaks to uh, our love for, you know, Elmer Gantry and There Will Be Blood and, you know, films like that, The Master. Uh, first reformed, just good, good, good shit. And I think you would love that movie, man. Uh, that's probably my favorite John Houston film. That's that, that's not represented in kind of the Oscar world. Yeah, I love films about you know just pre, you know con man preachers who abuse the you know the word of God to, for their own benefit. And those those movies are always fantastic. And Brad Dourif, like, come on. You know, John Houston and Brad Dourif. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's a match, yeah. match made in heaven. I keep make, I keep trying to make time to watch The Other Side of the Wind. The Lost Oh, Orson I haven't Wells seen that either. Came out a couple years ago. Houston stars in it. Ah, just the fact that that exists. Yeah. There's like an Orson Welles movie that was completed in 2018. 
is amazing to me. So yeah, In one day I'm going to have to make time to check that out. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. We, we all have movies that we want to, that we, we got to get to at some point, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the queen herself, Oof. Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy, where do we begin here? Could she, uh, where do you stand on her 12 nominations and four wins? Is that, is that the best resume ever for a, for a performer? No other actor in Oscar history has won four Oscars for, right. Yeah. I think, and I've seen, uh, I've seen two of those performances uh, very well earned. I've seen a a few of her stuff that um, outside of uh, those wins, she is on a completely different level. She was, you know, one of the pioneers of feminism. She was very much, she refused to play the Hollywood game. She did things her own way. She got, kicked out of Hollywood because of it and like managed to, you know, find her way back by becoming a producer. Like, it, and then like, she's just an inspiration. I, I fucking love Catherine Hepburn. I, everything I like, I'm always excited to see one of her films and uh, yeah, I couldn't sing her praises enough to me. She is quite possibly the best actress ever. Yeah. I, I think, you know, of course, Meryl Streep has something to say when we're talking about this kind of stuff here. I don't know. To me, maybe not. Maybe maybe not for personal taste. I love Meryl Streep. <laughs> I like Meryl Streep too, but Catherine Hepburn is like on a complete, like I said, a completely different level. The for me, the actresses and actors that she influenced that were inspired by her is endless, and the things she did for yeah. like just for women in Hollywood. It speaks for itself, and the performance Agreed. is fucking amazing. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that. I I do think, I do think it's fun to look at the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we just witnessed recently. You know, you and I are two of the only. Well, I guess we're the only two people that care. Because uh, <laughs> uh, the Oscars did do too hot. Prince McDormand just got her third, you know, yeah. her third statue, right? So she had she has a chance to get four. She really does. She really has that. That's like a live. That's a thing that can happen, and that's very exciting. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholson has three. Daniel Day Lewis. There's there's people who you know Ingrid Bergman, right? We love her here. But Catherine with four, and like you said, deserving all of it. And the time, the, the simple fact that her first win. First nomination, first win is 1933 Morning Glory. And every other nomination all, and all the wins are all best actress in the leading role. All of them. <laughs> all of them. She never, she was never like, I'm too, she's the kind of talent, like she's like Michael Jordan, where it's like, well, we're not going to put her on the bench just to like be cute. Let's just make her the star of the film. That's how good she is. That's, you know, she's dominant. So I, I I really think she has an argument to be kind of when it comes to performing male and female, fuck all that. You know, she, she might be the goat. She might be the greatest of all time. She kind of represents the best of 20th century Hollywood. Really kind yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. And without, and like, you, you know, I'm with you. We're like, you got to respect history. If you don't have this, you don't have this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it, 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 
you, you may not love the Beatles, but the Beatles came before all these other people and influenced all this stuff. So you got to respect it, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. You got to respect Catherine for which the, the, the stuff she just, she paved the way for so many people to do, to do what they wanted um, and still inspires. And I mean, an actress has won an Oscar for playing her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. for fuck's sake. So uh, a, a movie I would love to do on this show one day. Um, she's, yeah, sh- she's up there. She's, she might be the best and you're crazy if she's not in your top three or four, you know? Perhaps my favorite thing about her, she never went to the Oscars. Like she never accepted any of her statues. She didn't give a shit. She was above she it. Just work, just wanted to work. Yeah. Just work, work, work. Well, also um, she'd been disrespected by Hollywood. She was thrown out for not wearing, you know, for wearing pants, for speaking her mind. They were like, we can't yeah. have an uppity woman in Hollywood. So pack your bags. And then she's like, Oh, I'll be back bitches. And she was, she came back with a force, became one of the most respected figures in Hollywood and continue, you know, she's been gone for uh, since the the early two thousands, but she's still like one of the most respected names to ever walk in front of a camera. Truly hundred percent. Let's go through her resume, man. Her Oscar resume. Let's have some fun. This, this is a special territory right here you know it's not you'll see when we go through bogey it is very rare to have a a performer's resume as long as this uh (laughs) when it comes when it comes to the academy 1933 morning glory win 1935 alice adams nominated 1940 the philadelphia story nominated 1942 woman of the year nominated 1951 the african queen nominated summertime 1955 nominated the Rainmaker, 1956, nominated. Suddenly, Last Summer, 1959, nominated. Long Day's Journey into Night, 1962, nominated. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, 1967, win. Uh, the Lion in Winter, tied with the Barbara Streisand, 1968, <laughs> for Funny Girl. Uh, win, a dual win, it's never happened. <laughs> and then, of course, of course, she wins her last nomination ever, 1981 on golden pond gets her fourth her fourth golden statue there and goes into yeah different stratosphere uh oscar resume almost 50 years long and some absolutely amazing perform performances in here and i i want to see all the ones i haven't yeah same here same here because of this show i've gotten to see a lot of her performances and uh she is just mesmerizing on the screen truly Mm-hmm. truly uh yeah there, we could have we will one day uh, i anticipate um doing morning glory as kind of a a cat a cat hepburn episode where we just just talk about her for an hour and a half you know and see as many of her movies as we possibly can that that'll happen one day she's that kind of gal and whenever we have one of these movies brought up you're you're damn right we're gonna do this again <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, you know, I know you were pretty, pretty rocked by her performance in who guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah. Now I have an answer, but for you, what is the movie that you've got to see that you haven't seen for Catherine Hepburn? Um, it's gotta be simply because, you know, I want to see that, like that tie it's the lion in winter, uh, mm. going, you know, head to head with Peter O'Toole, uh, as Henry the second 
and Anthony Hopkins in one of his first roles. I mean, this film is just screaming at me to watch. It's a movie about, you know, English history, Henry II's uh, decision to crown a, uh, a successor. It's, I own it too. Like I could watch this right now, but you know, I got a lot to do, <laughs> but it is yeah. definitely number one on my Hepburn much must watch list. Same. I'm, I'm totally with you. And I've, I've seen funny girl. So it's like, what am I doing? I just got to knock out the other one so I can just have an opinion on this. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the exact same boat as you, man. Uh, I want to want to knock that one out. And of course, Morning Glory one day will be an episode. So that's how we'll knock that one out. And I know you've seen on Golden Pond, so we'll have seen all of her four wins by then. And I'm really excited to keep uh, exploring her career. Yeah, same here. Now, Mr. Bogart, Humphrey, Humphrey, bogey, bogey, bogey. This guy has uh, stolen my heart because of this show, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's one of, he's he's one of those guys that you 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 hear about all the time you know you hear about you see on the posters just didn't have an opinion of him until you know i really dug in and, and watched the movies through here and i i love this guy love watching him he's got such a fascinating look to him that just doesn't really exist today he's he's a one of a kind there's not really there's not really ever going to be another a Bogart, the way, a guy who's, you know, tender and gruff and aggressive at the same time. And yeah, I just, uh, I really adore his, his style of performing. He's another one of those guys who is representative of classic Hollywood. He's one of those guys who kind of, you see his picture and you think, oh, Casablanca, oh, African queen. He's just, Mm-hmm. he's so synonymous with his work that few people really know like him as a human being because his characters were so larger than life at a time when a lot of, let's be honest, a lot of actors were really phoning it in for the check. Bogart was creating characters. Yeah. That's you know incredibly admirable. Just the fact that these two Titans would do a movie together still fascinates me. I mean, it's, you know, say what you want about the film, just seeing these two in the same movie is amazing. Yeah, absolutely wild. I believe his win in the African Queen is he's the, I'm pretty sure he's the last guy born yeah. in the uh, 19th century to, to win an Oscar. Yes, he is. Yeah. Fucking nuts. And his Oscar resume, I believe, I, I really, I don't think it's up for debate. His Oscar resume would be longer, but he passed away at 57, you know? Yeah, I, I think he missed out on a really cool stretch of his career. And I mean, this is six years before that, the African Queen, six years, you know, and uh, the K-Mutiny, 1954. So, yeah, it's just yeah, really tough, really tough, because this guy is so much fun to watch. Um, you brought up Casablanca. He was nominated for that, 1942, Best Actor. Uh, he, he won for the African Queen. 1951 best actor and then he was nominated for best actor uh kane mutiny in 1954 so just just three nominations that's insane to me he should have had way it, more. It, it's crazy it's crazy but it but it goes to show just the kind of the cultural holes that he had 
he, people just loved him and continue to love him today. You know, he's over the past year or so, he's just totally won a fan in, in me, you know, someone who I, I very much care about his legacy and I'm going to seek out, you know, more and more of his movies. I bought Casablanca because of him, you know, is a movie. Of course you want to knock off your list because it's a classic, but there's always something that has to push you inside you, you know? And for me, it was, it was just bogey. It was like, okay, it's time. Cause I like this guy a lot. <laughs> uh, and you just, you just said, you just mentioned how it's silly that he doesn't have more. And, and there's one, you know, in treasure of the Sierra Madre, that's just it's a, like, it's just a damn shame that he's not even nominated. Really makes no sense. One, one of the more entertaining performances I've seen from that era. Yeah, absolutely. To, like to me, he had me when I had to watch the Maltese Falcon for my college film course. And I was like, mm. this, this dude's sucking me in with this performance. Like I just, I loved him as Sam Spade and I wanted to see more and another film he should have been up for. Uh, I, yeah, I will always consider myself a fan of bogey. And I think it's weird that I've seen all of his nominations. Like, it, it, he feels like a guy who should have a much longer list. Uh, <laughs> I, he's a guy I'm gonna be I'm gonna be paying attention to forever. Yeah, he's he's kind of kind of screams out to us. We really like those guys who are maybe just overlooked, right? That are the skill is just totally there. Uh, and like you said, I've also seen all three of these films that are here. But yeah, there's so much more. Treasure Sierra Madre is awesome. Uh, I, not too long ago, maybe a few months ago, watched We Are No Angels. That movie's kick ass. Um, I I really really wanted to see Beat the Devil from 1953. There's there's so much here within his 57, you know, years here on Earth, uh, giving us work that I want to check out. Man, I <laughs> I love this guy. There's this movie. Uh... From 1939 called The Return of Dr. X that I really want to see mm. because Bogart plays a villain and he plays like a, like a vampire or a scientist or some shit. It's so wacky and out of his wheelhouse. I just need, I need to see that. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. That's, that's kind of why Church of the Sierra Madre is so cool, right? Because you see him linger with that just kind of you know, bastard mentality, you know, where he's just getting after and it's very very cool to watch where he, he he's so good at teetering yeah you know from from likable to annoying to uh to like kind of our hero to also tearing everything down uh he's so good at that and again no one looks like him you know no one ha- no one's ever going to capture that the kind of those big eyes that just just grab you and he he kind of makes every costume outfit that he's in believable uh could live in any era. He's that kind of a guy. I loved his Oscar acceptance speech for the African queen. Cause it was very short and simple. Just thank you very much. And then just kind of left. Like he, he thanked like two people and then walked off. Yeah. I guess, the great. I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Humphrey Bogart is uh, definitely one of those names that I feel like I heard when I was younger and it was just kind of like old people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, you know, I went through, I think we all go through a phase when we're kids where we're like black and white movies are boring. 
And I resent that so much of my younger self. Like, I'm, I'm glad I don't have that, that uh, obstruction now. Because imagine what uh, I yeah. lose out on. <laughs> oh, so, so, so much, right? Uh, yeah, there's, there should be no, no boundaries, right? You should be able to open your mind to all kinds of filmmaking and whether it be old or new or black and white or foreign or whatever it is, you know, it's, yeah. it's refreshing to, to open up and see the stuff and uh, the African queen. Can you imagine seeing that in 1951? <laughs> some of those scenes just fucking pop, right. You know, some of them look very gorgeous and I, I love kind of putting myself in, you know, people's shoes from 70 years ago now, 1951. And I'm sure the movie, this movie was just kind of mind blowing. Well, Houston filmed on location in the Congo. I mean, you didn't do that. <laughs> no, you filmed on the, the Warner Brothers backlot. And then you filmed something else on the Universal backlot. There was no, <coughs> very few yeah, no. films were filmed on location, especially in Africa. And yeah, Bogart made it clear how much he fucking hated that. Uh, Hepburn was like, oh, Africa, this is amazing. And Bogart was like, let's finish this up. All right. <laughs> just, yeah. Let's get the hell out of here. It's hot. It's humid. There's bugs everywhere. Yeah. I read in the trivia that <laughs> Bogey and Houston did not. They're the only ones who didn't get dysentery because they drank nothing but scotch whiskey the entire time. And Bogey said, if a fly landed on us and bit us, it would drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's fantastic. It comes through in the performance. Uh, <laughs> uh, last performer. Uh, and then I got I got two two other individuals I want to bring up after this. But last performer is Robert Morley. Plays plays uh, Catherine Hepburn's brother in this. What an honor that would be! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just playing Catherine Hepburn's brother in this this movie. No big deal. Uh, he he has a nomination. I thought he was great in the beginning of this movie. Now you know I wish there was a bit more of him. I think he's awesome, but he was nominated in 1938 for Marie Antoinette, best supporting actor, you know, random as hell. You know, these, these are the little things that we learn, uh, the bogey stuff, the Hepburn stuff, we kind of know, but morally you're like, ah, that guy has an Oscar nomination. You know, it's similar to, you know, random people now, like, um, like Chris Cooper, like, ah, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. He has one. <laughs> I love that. He's interesting. I, I'm not entirely certain what killed him in this movie. Uh, it was like shock or shame or malaria. Or whatever. I, uh, uh, yeah, apparently. But his brief turn, at, you know, his death scene is, is actually very well acted and makes him stand out. Yeah. I think he was, you know, one of those British thespians who never really got to be like a Peter O'Toole, but definitely had the talent. Yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, man. We've come to the last, last couple people here that I actually think are two of the brightest stars within the African queen. I want to talk about cinematographer, Jack Cardiff and film editor, Ralph Kimplin. Now just start off with this movie there. Neither of them are nominated for the African queen. They've got other stuff, but boy, oh boy, do these people matter a lot to what's happening in this movie? <laughs> uh, some of the editing, obviously, is a bit choppy and doesn't age like great. But again, you 70 years ago, some of this looks incredible. And some of, some of it does move kind of seamless, seamlessly, some of the boat scenes. And then other, other times it's obvious what's going on. But 
for the time it's in, I'm, I was kind of shocked there was not a nomination for either cinematographer or film editor because there's just there's a lot going on uh, at a technical, you know, from a technical standpoint. And like you said, again, on location. Well, like you said, the editing is fairly choppy. I mean, there's some clear scenes of, you know, green screen, like during the rapids. Yeah, yeah. I think would look goofy even in 1951. But the cinematography is quite amazing uh, to, you know, to utilize the African landscape they had. I thought, you know, the way this movie's shot is pretty gorgeous. Uh, so, yeah, I think he should have, Cardiff should have been up. Yeah, and, and Jack Cardiff is an interesting fella here. Uh, I learned uh, when we've brought him up before, he, he directed Sons and Lovers, 1960. And then he's also the cinematographer here. And uh, he's got, got an interesting resume. Uh, he won the Oscar for Best Cinematography, Black Narcissist, 1947. Uh, was nominated for Best Cinematography, 1956, War and Peace. Nominated for Best Director, 1960, Sons and Lovers. Bullshit. And then uh, nominated for uh, Best Cinematography, 1961, Fanny. And then he won an honorary award in 2001 for... Master of Light and Color. Awesome. It's like a Jedi title. <laughs> that's fucking... Yeah, that's all it says. Winner. Master of Light and Color. Hell yeah. That's, that's good enough for me. I mean, cool as shit. This is a weird-ass resume when it comes to the Oscars, but I, I really do think he should have gotten nominated for the African Queen. God, the stories this guy must have had. Born 1914, died 2009. Dude was 94. Yeah. Man lived through almost the entire 20th century. <laughs> That's incredible. I would have loved to have talked to this man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good, good heavens. And he uh, was working till 2007. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, who was this guy? <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Uh, Ralph, Ralph Kimplin, born 1912, died in 2004, 91 years old. Here's a guy who's nominated for three Oscars. This is the film editor. Uh, he was nominated in 1952 for Moulin Rouge, 1968, Oliver, and 1973, The Day of the Jackal. Ah. So, uh, yeah, like you said, it's a bit choppy at times, but I do think 70 years ago, it, 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 there, there's some cool stuff happening. Uh, it's just, it's hard to put yourself in those shoes. This guy did some uncredited work on The Omen. Yeah. Oh, I definitely saw that. We brought, we, we brought that shit up not too long ago. The Omen, anytime we get it, you know, we're going to bring that up anytime we can. Cause that's an awesome seventies horror movie that everybody should check out a movie that should have shown up more at the Oscars, the 1977 show representing the 1976 movies, but whatever. I'll love forever that a song that translates to hail Satan was up for best original song at the Oscars. That is just a nice little nugget for me to enjoy. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm okay with that. And I would love to do that on the show just for that. That would be loads of fun. <laughs> oh, Anytime I get to talk about the uh, moment is a good day. <laughs> it, yeah, truly. It's got some of the coolest shit. I could talk about some of the gnarly scenes from that movie you know, all day. Um, yeah. That's, that's all the individuals I want to talk about. You know, John Houston, Catherine Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart, Robert Morley, Jack Cardiff, and Ralph Kemplin. All those folks uh, have, a, have a resume of some sort at the Oscars and I think are doing 
some good work in this movie. Uh, it doesn't all come together for me, but but it's but it's decent. I, I do recommend it. You know, it's not a movie I don't want to recommend to people. I do think it is worth watching. Again, even if it's just for cat and cat and bogey, kind of just having fun. Yeah, I think so. I would definitely. I think this is a good place if you want to kind of get acquainted with these two actors and kind of their style. This is a good starter movie. I think. I I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, what do you uh, say about the 24th Academy Awards? You want to talk about those a little bit? Why not? Some 1951 action, 1952. Of course, there's movies that are all over the place here. <laughs> the Oscars were, the Oscars, uh, you know, have been disorganized, but they're even more disorganized in these early years where they just, <laughs> the, the release dates are all over the place. And then foreign films take like four years to compete. Fucking crazy. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, best let's see, we got screenplay, screenplay, right? Is that what you want to start with? Sure. And then maybe the the, the other three are a little more intense. I think so. Yeah. So screenplay, right. it was just best screenplay. There was no. Uh... Yeah. Oh wait. So best screenplay is best adapted screenplay. Best story yes. is screenplay is best original screenplay. Good God! How did and they then, keep this shit and straight? Then, Look below that. There's also and then best, best story. story. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god! Like while we're this at it, why not just throw out. in like best writing and best words if we're gonna get weird with it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Best like best title card. Yeah, I mean these these are obviously at the beginning just to give out more awards, give out more trophies. I'm glad they've tightened it up a little bit. I, yeah. I, I like tighter. Yeah, it's back when Cecil B. DeMille was just, or not Cecil B. DeMille, sorry to disgrace a good person. I meant Louis B. Mayer. Uh, yeah, that's hilarious. Who's just trying to shut his people up with st- with statues. I will. I love that the Oscars were started out of spite, and here we are, a full podcast about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, right? You know, yeah. Just go, just, it's a dog just chasing its tail. Basically, yeah. So best <laughs> screenplay, or if you want to get technical, best adapted screenplay. We have The African Queen, Detective Story, La Ronda, A Streetcar Named Desire, and the winner, A Place in the Sun. Uh, Streetcar Named Desire did some damage at this, at this award ceremony. and uh, No kidding. Kept it from a full sweep for the acting categories. I find that hilarious. Um, yep. But A Place in the Sun took home the award and I know nothing about this one, but Liz Taylor, Shelley Winters, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Let's see. It's uh, based on the novel on American tragedy by Theodore Dresser in 1926. Tells the story of a working class young man who is entangled with two women. Hell yeah. Love triangle. Bring it on. <laughs> 1950s love triangle. Uh, yeah. You gotta love those. And the poster tells, tells us everything. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm 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 all in. Uh, Street Cart Name Desire. I haven't seen that one in, in quite some time, and I think uh, it is kind of the obvious choice if you want to do an episode on 1951. I think it's most people would say it's the obvious choice. Uh, Amer- an American Paris, you know, takes the big one, but I've seen that. That movie's okay. You know, I I've got that one over there on my shelf, just trying to collect them all. But I I think people most people would say streetcar named desires is the one that's lasted the longest out of all these 
that's what I've heard. Regrettably, this is one Brando I've yet to tackle. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I know, you know what you're you know you're gonna fall in love. Yeah. I know it's gonna be great. I I'm honestly just waiting for the podcast to push me there. <laughs> it, yeah, it will one day, right? In the meantime, you can knock out other shit. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, director. We have John Houston for the African Queen, Vincente Minnelli for an American in Paris. William Wyler for Detective Story, Elia Kazan for A Streetcar Named Desire, and the winner, George Stevens for A Place in the Sun. Those are hefty names. That, that's, a, that's a loaded category. Those are big guys for, for the 1950s. Uh, yeah, guys with all guys. I'm not sure about Vincent Minnelli's like, statistics, but the other four guys have like multiple nominations, multiple wins type, type guys. Minnelli, he won Best Director for Gigi, 1958. There uh, you go. And he married Judy Garland, and uh, their kid is Liza Minnelli. <laughs> there you go. Oh, oh, wow. Holy shit. I've never put that together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, that's Liza Minnelli. Okay, okay. Wow. That all <laughs> makes sense now. And that's Judy Garland. Wow. How about that? That's a... Um, that's a woman who it's I, I, it's hard not to be rude. It it is difficult to figure out all of her because she was like just like abused and she has all these different marriages and her life was just very rough and had like way too many obstacles for one human being to kind of get through in one lifespan and it's kind of it's kind of crazy how how many like people are within like the industry through all of that it's kind of wild she yeah she's she's a sad story she just wanted to be loved she wanted to be respected and she she kind of just fell in love a lot and that's because she didn't really i don't think she knew what love really felt like because she didn't really have it it's sad but that's not her fault at all that's you know goes back to fucking louis b Mayer. that motherfucker i hate him so much yeah, but, uh, yeah. Back, check back out to our that filmgasm episode on Judy Garland. If you want to know more, uh, we did that a while back. But she's a, she's a character who is going to come up on this show at some point. Yeah, I I think we have brought up maybe at one point over here, like Judgment at Nuremberg. Just just get out of town, you know. Uh, a performance worth a million bucks. And she's got a few of those, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really glad we kind of went down that road for a little while back uh, when we were doing Weird Shit Wednesdays on Filmgasm and you and I were kind of taking, taking those episodes to dive into something super specific and then the things around them and so the, the like little branches and that was so much fun doing that. Uh, learned a lot about Judy through that and like you said, she's going to get brought up again on the show. I just had no idea it'd be this way where I'm learning something yeah. completely different, putting things together. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck, that makes sense. Uh, if we, <laughs> this group's insane. If we do end up eventually doing Judgment in Nuremberg, we get to talk about Judy Garland, Spencer Tracy, Burt Lancaster, ah, yeah. Montgomery Clift, uh, uh, Stanley Kramer. Like, So many people get brought up on that one. That would be a blast. Yeah, that year is really hard because of that movie that's like the daunting movie from that year where it's like oh boy that would be a big episode 
And then there's the hustler where you're like, that would just be pure fun. (laughs) I'd say, yeah, uh, those two, I think about those two all the time. Fuck, which one would I choose? You know, (laughs) yeah, they're, they're so, so different, but offer something that would be so fun on the show. Yes, indeed. Um, so I have not seen, I've only seen the African queen of this bunch. So I can't really judge who deserved this award. Uh, yeah, I can't, I, I can't say. I've just seen two out of out of here. Oh, sorry, I've seen three. I've seen American in Paris, um, Detective Story. That's William Wyler. There's a guy. Yeah, we bring <laughs> up all the goddamn time. Uh, that's the one I'm kind of like, ah, man. I guess I'll get to it when I can. But Place in the Sun, it's brought up again right here. I, I got to see this. This this love triangle movie from the fifties. Got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, best actress we have here we go Catherine Hepburn for the African Queen Eleanor Parker for Detective Story Shelley Winters for A Place in the Sun Jane Wyman for The Blue Veil and the winner Vivian Leigh for A Streetcar Named Desire uh, <sighs> yeah big old yeah very uh, Jane Wyman is an actress who I gained a ton of respect for after watching Johnny Belinda oh dude 1948 again yeah god that year was i think about that bunch of unbelievable all the time (laughs) same it's one of if you took hamlet out and just put like an okay movie in there it would be the best five ever you know it'd be it it really would be you know i love the 1979 group but the 1948 group is just got four fucking sick awesome movies borderline masterpiece movies red shoes fuck <laughs> <laughs> crazy movie oh, dude the fucking snake pit yeah yeah and then johnny belinda you got four like revolutionary timeless game changer movies and then fucking hamlet <laughs> i can't believe that boring ass yeah boring ass movie just just one of those like fucking academy just being lame like just being lame and there's movies right in front of you I, I don't understand. There's they do that they do that all the time though. <laughs> you actors love to just tug their Shakespeare more than Lawrence Olivier. That man stroked his ego every goddamn day. I mean, he was a good actor. Yeah. But fucking calm down. <laughs> it, it makes me less inclined to watch his stuff to like dive into Lawrence Olivier's career. I know he's one of the greats is like what people that's what people's uh, you know, thought of him now is as time has gone on. And I, I just, I don't feel this desire, this burning passion to go watch his stuff. Like I do Brando yeah, or bogey or, you know, like it's just, no, it's not there. Well, if I was going to do it, I would go, I would use, I would do a movie like marathon man where he's playing against type, playing a villain, you know, okay. of his wheelhouse, which he got nominated for because the Academy loved Olivier. Yeah, uh, of course, of course they did. But Jane Wyman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to see the Blue Veil. Uh, yes. What is, Jane Wyman and Charles Lawton. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm going to have to see this. Yeah. Yeah, got, yeah, got to see that. She And she's like, she's been nominated for Golden Globes, Emmys, Oscars. Jane Wyman, she's like a performer's performer, you know? And then Vivian Lee, I believe, was Olivier's wife. 
Yes, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, we're just talking shit about. <laughs> two-time winner. She won for Street Crime Desire and Gone with the Wind, which is just the fucking, you know, Mount Everest of this show. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. no kidding. <laughs> it's going to happen eventually, but, you know, we're not exactly, you know, running towards it. <laughs> no, no. From my perspective and this show, I want to do it for a long, long, long time. And I want to tackle a lot, a lot of movies, a lot of different kinds of movies. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a time and a place for like knocking out huge movies. And we've done that, you know, we've done, you know, we did Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. We've done, we did a Kramer versus Kramer. We've done huge movies, huge Oscar movies, but it's also, I just think, uh, more beneficial in the long run as we want to do the show. We want to let it breathe to just shout out all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's why we took a whole episode for, you know, uh, strange love and fight club and these different, these different films and, and Z and black Panther and African queen here. So you got, you got, you got to kind of shout them all out. There's- and gone with the gone with the wind is one of those, like you said, kind of like Oscar, uh, it's in a, it's at the top of kind of the pantheon of Oscar topics and movie topics and early Hollywood topics. And that year is also loaded, <laughs> you know, 1939, a lot of people look at that year, that year's bunch. And they're just kind of like, well, those, those are huge movies. And so not only are we going to tackle gone with the wind, but it's going to be a huge bunch of other movies that we'll have to talk about. And those best picture showdowns are intense. I like, you know, the group we've, the films we've selected thus far have been mostly really good. I think it's cool that, you know, we're a podcast where Hamlet and Shrek can coexist. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, there's no need to rush into Gone with the Wind. If we're going to do that, that's an episode we're going to have to prep for a few months in advance. That's, Correct. Uh, yeah. Adding that workload to everything else we do is going to be quite a bitch. So. Yeah. It, Cause it is a, uh, cause it is a best picture winner. So it would be a, yeah. Best Picture Showdown. So you, we would have a lot of other movies to watch uh, to, to prep for that. So yeah, like you said, we, we, we're going to need a lot of time. And in the meantime, week in, week out, we'll be bringing the heat on movies like The African Queen. <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of where our hearts lie anyway, is uh, with these, all of these movies, not just a few of them. Um, Eleanor Parker. What a a woman who's in a group where she might be oh, you know, these other four, these, these massive people, she's no a uh, walk in the park either. <laughs> Three time nominee. Yeah. Fucking all these people are like, they have, they have a lot to show for as far as awards go. All five of these women there. And, and I, I would imagine all five of them give a great performance. I've just seen two of them. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't doubt their performances. I just regret that I have not yet seen them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Place in the sun, there it is again. <laughs> that love triangle, Shelly Winters. <laughs> uh, well, that takes us to Best Actor, the one award African Queen did walk away with. We have Marlon Brando for A Streetcar Named Desire, Montgomery Clift for A Place in the Sun, Arthur Kennedy for Bright Victory, Frederick March for Death of a Salesman, and the winner, Humphrey Bogart for The African Queen. Uh, whew, those are some of 
the 20th century's most notable actors. Uh, Frederick March is a guy I've recently been paying a lot of attention to after watching Inherit the Wind. And uh, yeah, I just, goddamn, Brando, Clift, March, and Kennedy, and then Bogey takes the gold. Whew. Yeah, crazy, crazy. I uh, gotta see, I gotta see these movies, you know. Death of a Salesman sounds like a movie that we both would really like. And the, the poster for it, yeah, just just screams kind of our names. Uh, Place of the Sun, here again. Now, Brando versus Bogey is uh, <laughs> a thing to behold. It's a thing to behold, right? Yeah. Is, is having two guys inside one group and just kind of, just kind of going, going at it. Uh, I don't want to have, you know, recency biased because uh, I haven't seen Streetcar Named Desire in, in a while. But I think Bogey, fair play for this win. Uh, without him, without him and Kat just kind of carrying and doing what they're doing, this movie falls flat a lot. So he, he's kind of giving an actor's performance in The African Queen. I, I kind of understand why he got the, his win here. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad Bogey walked away with a statue, you know? I mean, I think his career was cut way too short due to esophageal cancer. And he uh, he was an actor that other actors looked up to. I'm sure, like, Brando kind of saw him as a, I won't say an idol, but, like, a teacher, maybe. Someone to look pay attention to. Because uh, this, you know, Streetcar was Bogey's, like, kind of breakout performance. Uh, one of them, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that early fifties is definitely where Brando is here to here to party, here to stay. Yeah, and is gonna is gonna be around for a while. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was like yeah, he had a a triple threat of like it was like Viva Zapata, Streetcar, Julius Caesar, and then he took the, and he took the win for on the waterfront. So like Brando proved quickly that he was not just a you know kind of brutishly handsome face he had some he had chops and he was gonna bring it and uh, yeah good lord <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's I'm glad something we, to behold i'm glad we did on the waterfront but he is a dude that i want to th- more you know thoroughly explore like when we did on the waterfront i wish i'd kind of dove into brando and just watched whatever i could get my hands on yeah i i don't even need the show to take me there i'm gonna do that <clears throat> I think you're in the same boat as me that it, it'll just kind of happen. He's yeah, he's lightning in a bottle, that guy. Fucking crazy, crazy talent. He's he's a guy who does stuff. Uh, I think Bogey he uses his face really well. And Brando's like his eyebrows have more talent than most people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, Br- Brando's crazy. I agree with you. When we did it on the waterfront, that was like episode 10. Uh you know, it's a best picture winner. We were not doing the best picture showdown. So it was kind of, we didn't really know exactly where we were going, but we just were praising it because we loved that movie. It is, it is a masterpiece. And I, I'm with you, man. Uh, I wish I was operating in the same way I am now when we first started the show, but that's just not how it works. You know, you have to try things to learn and figure it out. But again, Brando is a guy that doesn't need doesn't need uh, episodes to push me in his direction. For me, Frederick March is the same way. Uh, oh, I, I fucking loved Inherit the Wind. And him, you know, March versus Tracy. 
was a spectacle. Mm. Uh, March is the first guy to win an Oscar for, for a horror film. Uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, 1931. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to see that. He also won for the best years of our lives. And he's another one of those guys who's incredibly revered from the 30s and 40s and just kind of set the standard for performing. And I really want to explore his work. Uh, there was this movie he did where he played the president called Seven Days in May that I really want to see. Uh, I just found out that was on, uh, I think that was, I think it just got re-released on DVD somewhere. So I put it in my Netflix queue. Uh, Ooh, nice. So yeah, definitely uh, a lot to pay attention to here. Yeah. Yeah. And March also, I believe, I'm not mistaken, I think he's a Tony guy as well, right? Probably, yeah. Let's let's find out. I think so. I think so. I think he's, yeah, he's one of those guys, yeah. like you when, said, in the 40s, he's like just a re- really well-revered guy. He won the Tony Award for Best Actor in a Play for 1947's Years Ago and 1956's Long Day's Journey Into Night, which Jesus. Uh, Hepburn was nominated for the film. Yeah. Record. Yeah. It's all coming together. (laughs) Connections. Uh, Yeah, really cool stuff. I'd love to see all five of these. Uh, Bright Victory is a movie that hasn't really got brought up. Arthur Kennedy. I I don't know anything about this, but I definitely have heard quite a bit about Arthur Kennedy. Another guy who's just kind of uh, would be described as just, yeah, just a kind of a a legendary actor of of this era. Yeah, we have, we always have work to do and here's, the homework is right here. You know, this is kind of part of the reason we do this is so we can always, always have movies to add to our list and to think Arthur, about and talk about. Arthur Kennedy played the newspaper reporter in Elmer Gantry. That's Bang. how we know him. That's how we know him. There you go. He has been brought up on this show. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That was, well, there's a year, you know, you brought up 1948. We both have 1979, these different, best picture categories that's a year that didn't make a whole lot of sense to us 1960 is 40 two good ones three okay kind of bad ones you don't want that in a best picture group you don't want half of them to not be deserving of the spot especially when there's these just classics sitting on the sidelines there you know it's (laughs) yeah we had a lot to say there. <laughs> this one guy, this one guy, Alfred Hitchcock, who you guys never gave anything, you know, kind of made psycho that year. So yeah, a bunch of, bunch of bullshit that year, but that that's, that's the point of doing it. Otherwise we wouldn't know, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't find Johnny Belinda, uh, red shoes and snake pit church of the Sierra Madre if you don't also do Sons and Lovers and Sundowners and the Alamo, you know, you have to give and take, it's going to happen with this stuff. It's a coin flip. (laughs) You know, you never know if what you're about to watch is a genuine classic or something that does not hold up and never should have been there in the first place. You're never going to know until you take the plunge. That's, you know, all of these shows have that exact, you know, kind of mentality. Like you got to go in with both feet. Exactly. That's the best way to put it. Most simple, easy. Both feet, both feet, or you can go head first. <laughs> yeah, we tend to do that too. <laughs> yeah, or here at Film Guys, we tend to do that. And uh, just like that, I, I want to dive into our own awards, man. Uh, talk in depth about the African Queen, what we do like about it, what we don't like about it. Uh, the Tarantino, 
course for best line or best quote, the Ennio Morricone Award for best music moment, the Philip Seymour Hoffman for best performance of the movie, and the Roger Deakins for best scene, which I, I again, I had a hard time picking like a favorite or best scene. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to go for it here. <laughs> uh, what's your Tarantino, man? Um, mine comes uh, after the African queen gets kind of stuck and Charlie has to pull it through the reeds and he's lying in, in, in his bed, kind of shaken. He's got the fever or something. And uh, Rose kind of realizes, like, we might be about to die here. And yeah. praise to God. And her prayer is, dear Lord, we've come to the end of our journey. In a little while, we will stand before you. I pray for you to be merciful. Judge us not for our weakness, but for our love. And open the doors of heaven for Charlie and me. It's kind of a mixed bag, you know. She's she's fairly certain this is the end, but she's not going down without kind of you know pointing out like we did this for the right reasons. We did this for love. Please judge us for that. Like I like that she uses you know it kind of symbolizes her journey from you know black and white missionary to gray almost crusader and i like that yeah yeah i agree i i thought about this for the tarantino there's a few parts that click where they just kind of make you think like that you know kind of put you in a mood and then it and then it fails to kind of connect with the other scenes to kind of wholly make sense but those moments are there and i i picked a uh, I, I actually thought Catherine brought the pain on a lot of those those moments, but I did choose a, a bit from Bogey as Charlie. Um, later in the film, when they're they're clearly starting to butt heads over what's going on, and uh, Char- Charlie kind of has a, a little bit of an outbreak about whose boat it is, the African Queen. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Whose boat is this anyway?" I asked you on board because I was sorry for you on account of you losing your brother and all what you get for feeling sorry for people. Well, I ain't sorry no more. You crazy Psalm singing skinny old maid. (laughs) (laughs) Psalm singing. That is, that is, that is genius. I love (laughs) fifties swearing where they couldn't really swear, but they still had to somehow bring the pain. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You got to let him kind of yell a little bit. Psalm singing skinny old maid. <laughs> There's so many things he'd rather say right there, you know, and <laughs> that's what they went with. It's funny. It's like every movie made before like 1965 was, you know, almost made for ABC family. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous yeah. sometimes, but that's a good one. Um, yeah. I love the aftermath of her just throwing the gin overboard. Oh and man. It, you know, it, Clearly influenced, you know, later, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Why is the rum gone? Just reminded me a lot of that. And that's just, yeah. Why why are you so mean? Yeah. How did he not immediately chuck her overboard for that? I mean, who the hell does she think she was? Like, yeah, that was was like, wow. And then they pan out until all the bottles. There's like 40 bottles. It's like, oh, that's all of it. Yeah, that's his stock for the like the year. He can't go to the drugstore and get more. Like, that's it. Yeah, and he's just out in the jungle just trying to have some fun. He saved your life. <laughs> Let the man drink. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. 
I love it. I love it. Yeah, there's there's a few that pop, but but again, I think the I think the fact that this movie fails to uh, uh, you know again, this is a lot with the Hayes Code. It fails to just go go to places that now a movie like this would go every scene. Yeah, uh, an advent, an adventure movie like this in the jungle, dealing with two people on a boat. Like think about like fucking like Kong Skull Island, you know, like this movie's just bonkers and there's stuff everywhere they turn. It's just madness. And that's what movies are going to do now. And it's just way different. You're in a way different ballpark in 1951. And it does feel a bit tame at times. And that has a lot to do with just the way people are talking. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, I feel like bogey should have been a lot more, uh, a lot more, uh, he should have had a lot more rough edges uh, going in. Like this should have been a guy I picture like, you know, Hugh Jackman and Logan kind of just angry about the world mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. with this shit. Does, you know, doesn't think he's going to fall in love, but is like, you know, eroded by her. And she should have been a little bit more warmer. I feel like they were both kind of like, he was too, he was too nice. She was too mean. Like they should have swapped that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She just like stuck to it. It's not on the performers. It really is just the, kind of the, the plot of the characters and how they're building them. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. It just doesn't really add up. Once you get to the end of the film, you're kind of like, huh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, yeah. Seem seemed like their roles were reversed at times. Yeah. To tell like the captain of the ship that's about to kill you to marry you is it's cheesy. It's just, it doesn't, like, yeah. he would be like, fuck that. Kill him now. <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah. And, and you know, we know, three years prior he plays Dobbs right so we know there's a there's something there where he can he, he's willing to fuck people over and this movie just kind of fails to go there a few times where it really makes makes the makes the characters authentic yeah. uh, even though both performers are giving their all uh Ennio Morricone this, this is for also this is for of- mu- this is for music and and yeah this score is kind of weak yeah it's rough to you know there's I think we, I talked about this last week with, you know, Duke Ellington's Anatomy of a Murder score, how a lot of scores in the 50s prior just are kind of generic. That's uh, why it was nice to get something different with Anatomy of a Murder. But this is yes. one of those scores that just like you play it for me. I'm not going to know what movie it's from. Yeah. Yeah. No, no way. No way do you pinpoint. the Yeah. Which 50s film is this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, I had to just because it made me laugh. The music, it gets a you get this dramatic sting when Rose sees the bottle of gin for the first time, which she's like, "Oh God, Charlie's a drinker." Yes, yes, he's, that's what just, I chose. Yeah, dun dun, like just yeah. it was so over the top. I was like, "Really? It's gin, yeah, it's heroin." Like, relax. Yeah, <laughs> that that blew me away, and all the weird noises when like she starts drinking. I was like, what is this, a fucking circus? Like, what's going on? It's like, it turned into a David Lynch movie for a minute when she decided to drink, like, let's make it feel like the audience is loopy. You know, it's stupid. I I was totally thrown off, but it made me laugh. I don't recall where she drank. Did that? You don't remember that? Where she, yeah. And the, the music, like, starts getting really wacky. I when she... What was happening around that time? Because I do not remember that at all. They're they're just they're just on they're just on the boat. There's no there's no nothing. It's just them two. 
It's like in the middle of the movie. I thought she wouldn't like she refused the gin because she's like, I don't do that. And then she dumped ju- like dumped it all overboard. It's before obviously before dumping it all over. Yeah. I I don't know what happened. I honestly have no recollection of that <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, and the music gets like it gets kind of wonky. I was like, what's going on here? I, I don't, yeah, I got nothing. I really, I have, I don't remember. I watched the entire movie. I promise. I just do not. Remember. Oh yeah. No, no. I, yeah. I, 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 this is this, this, believe it or not, it's happened to me before where I just forget whole movies that I've watched. And then I get halfway through and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I've seen this. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah yeah no yeah it's 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 uh yeah somewhere like in the middle of the movie they're on the boat and yeah i i was like what the fuck because i was like what am i going to choose for the inyo this is boring and then that happened and it was it was real wacky okay (laughs) i believe that's yeah there's there's no way for me to uh justify uh choosing that for an inyo morricone award but (laughs) (laughs) this this movie does not have great music moments no it does not Jesus. Uh, the PSH, Philip Seymour Hoffman, is, is, worth, is worth talking about here. Yeah. There's, there's, there's two people here. Yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a flip of the coin here. Uh, for me, I just think, I think Bogey did more with it. I, I went with Bogey. I, I, I did as well. Yeah. I just think Charlie is a little bit outside his comfort zone. He's a, he's a weird, you know, kind of wily, scrub weird river guy in Africa who's just you can tell that he has seen some shit and he knows the way of the jungle uh I wish we got to seen a little bit more of those rough edges but you know bogey did what he could and I enjoyed the performance and that's all I got to say about that yeah yeah he, there there is something there like left to be desired just a little bit not totally on his part but the just the character in general and it seems like there's a harness on him at times. Yeah, yeah. You hate, you hate, back. Yeah, yeah. You hate to see that. You hate, you hate to see that with someone who you know can go for it. Uh, and we've seen it ourselves, and that's that's always frustrating. Catherine Hepburn, close second place. She's also doing a lot of really amazing stuff. She's someone who created the facial expression, you know, uh, with, within acting, she's someone who's like, you also need to use your face as well as, you know, just, just your body and, and your voice. It's about making it believable when you react to something. <laughs> and she does that. She does that on multiple occasions in this movie. Uh, and they're, they're both great, but yeah, I, I bogey, just slight, slight edge to bogey. Yeah. Enough said. That's a big problem with a lot of films, you know, again, we, the Hayes code just keeps coming back. It's like a, freaking you know it's like in captain marvel the like the collar she had that was holding back most of her powers like that's what the haze code is to films prior to it's you know it's a abolition or and that sucks knowing that these films could have gone so much farther could have done so much more if they just hadn't had this fucking temperance movement blocking it yeah that's exactly right think think we're a bit in the same boat on this one and I, I, I'm very curious to hear what was your favorite part I uh I had to get I, I, I liked the ending where the Louisa just kind of accidentally wanders into the path of the African Queen's wreckage and blows up 
because it just it felt like you know fate was on their side and i like that i think that if this had been kind of a self-sacrifice thing i think it would have been a lot stronger but you know they're gonna go swim to the nearest island and enjoy married life in the congo (laughs) okay fine but prior to that the actual ship explosion i thought that was cool and i liked seeing those you know world war one germans lose yeah yeah no i i I think that part is really impressive like you said the explosion and all that there is noteworthy that that moment of the movie uh that's funny because i went with kind of the opening of the film for my deacons Uh, when charlie initially comes in on the african queen to this village which is where uh catherine hepburn and Robert Morley's uh, Rose and the brother. I don't even know his real name in the movie just says the brother on IMDb. <laughs> uh, that initial scene, it, it blew me away both times I watched this movie and takes me to a place where I'm like, Oh, here we go. And then I'm a little bit let down, but that initial kind of uh, production design. And again, being on location for a lot of this and not having to set so much stuff up. Yeah. Is, is working in their favor, but it is, it is kind of breathtaking. And Charlie comes in with the cigar and throws it on the ground. All these people kind of fight over it. Uh, it's ca- causing a ruckus outside of the church. And I was like, you know, I, just give me more of this, you know, give me more of Charlie going from village to village, just delivering mail. I'll watch that all day. You know, uh, a guy just kind of getting drunk on the river and hanging out, you know, delivering mail. That sounds like that sounds like a movie that could allow his character to just kind of go to places that are free and allow him just to just kind of perform. Uh, and that's why I chose it for my Deacons, because it's the most exciting part of the movie for me. Yeah, fair enough. It kind of sets up a lot of empty promises, I think. Like it sets, you know, this is who this is the guy we're about to follow, but also not really. <laughs> we're yeah, going to get yeah, kind of yeah. a watered down version of this guy who has clearly cheated people before, clearly out for himself but we don't really see that because you know it goes against the Hayes code to have a character you know have a hero who's got you know a dark side you can't do that yeah yeah ah man i i love movies like this because they create a conversation such as this where you get to kind of critique but it also is always frustrating when you know there's something bigger and better there yeah i agree well but we get to, you know, we get to make up for that next week. <laughs> yes, we, well, hopefully. I'm excited. <laughs> next week, we will be making up for, well, well making up. This movie's fine. I, I give it a seven, The African Queen. I would go an eight. I think the movie is entirely resting on the shoulders of Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. I think without them, this thing's a disaster. I think they did their best and they saved the movie to, for me. So I'm, I give it an eight. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Solid seven recommend it, but you don't, you don't get a rush to it type of thing. Fair enough. Understandable. (laughs) Uh, Next, next week's movie is like a fucking almost a 10. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we haven't, we haven't gone near Hitchcock yet. So I think it's time. Okay. I I think, uh, I think, I think rear window 1954. Sounds good. The reason I was so apprehensive is because I thought I swapped my my weeks. I thought we were doing that other one next week. Oh, next week's gonna be fun. <laughs> yes, 
Yes. Yeah. Next week will be fun. Uh, you know, again, we're in the fifties. This will be, this will be our third episode in a row staying in the fifties. And we intend on doing it for two more after that, including a best picture showdown uh, for episode 55. So next week will be yeah, episode 53 rear window. Oh. <laughs> we have not touched Hitchcock on this show. And I, I, I cannot wait. It, it feels right. This movie has aged like a fucking diamond. You know, it's still, it's still very, very effective and a very, very good watch. And it's going to be a movie where I think a similar, similar thing will happen as last week where we have a real difficult time choosing the awards. Yeah. Uh, be, because of it being so good. <laughs> and I, I'm really, I'm really excited to be in that territory again. I'm excited to just, you know, just two weeks later, go back to Jimmy Stewart. That's exciting. And also, I, I consider Rear Window to be maybe the most ripped off film in history. <laughs> so many movies have inadvertently remade Rear Window by claiming it's not remaking Rear Window, but they have done it so many times. So it's nice to go, you know, visit the source. Uh, one of Hitchcock's masterpieces and just a fun, thrilling movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a date, man. Be, be here next week. <laughs> it, it's, it's one, it's one of those, uh, you know, this, this week's really special for, for Filmgasm, I think, altogether. And can't wait, can't wait to come back next week for, for a really cool Oscar Sunday. Straight up tomorrow's sneak preview. We'll be covering uh, Quiet Place Part Two and Cruella. So tune into that. And then this Wednesday, in honor of the release of Friday's The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Filmgasm will be tackling The Conjuring 2, where the Warrens take on the Enfield Poltergeist. So be there for that Wednesday. It's going to be a great week. Hell yeah, man. And uh, my, my Enyo Award, I was trying to find the, the, the name of the piece of the score. I, I can't really figure it out. And then uh, I, think, I think you're right. I think I'm mistaken. I think she's because someone's review that I that I clicked on says she's acting as if she looks like she's drunk, but she's not. I don't think she ever drank the gin, like you said. Okay, uh, I thought it would go against her character. She was so adamant that the gin is evil. There's no way she would just imbibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, I think I was that confused by the moment in the movie and why she was reacting that way. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, which is funny that I, it seems like other people have made the mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What a weird, yeah. I but I can't find the name of that piece of the score. I it's it's probably somewhere on Spotify, but I'm having a hard time finding it. Maybe I. Yeah, I. Good luck with that. Don't I, really care. I don't care. Yeah, there it is. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah no it doesn't doesn't really matter uh i'll forget about it next week when we do rear window so (laughs) i remember the music in rear window that was that was tense stuff i'm very excited for next week yeah straight up right is uh yeah hitchcock is a master master of 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 everything when it comes to filmmaking and that that's also choosing people to work with kick ass thanks for listening hope you enjoyed this one uh check out humphrey bogart and Catherine hepburn they're careers are extraordinary as is john houston uh yes and we will see you next sunday keep watching movies